Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also, find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons and at Podcast One as well, Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Go to Facebook and you get a little drop down. We're going to start to have some golf to give away here, so you might as well get your name in the hat for that and also uh, maybe some more uh, swag from Second Swing as well. So get some uh, twosomes and foursomes maybe going out to you in the coming weeks, so Get your name in. Get registered for those prizes. Chris, uh, you're back. You went on another golf adventure, and uh, uh, one of your most uh, uh, an event you feel most passionate about, certainly. Yeah, we just returned from the Walker Cup and uh, down in at Seminole Golf Club in Jupiter, Florida, and it, it, it was a fantastic weekend. And hopefully, our listeners got a got a chance to tune into it a little bit, but uh, it's just such a great event it's it's all about it's a celebration of the game and uh really a celebration of the amateur game and uh just a great competition on a great golf course yeah let's talk first a little bit about seminal it, it comes across on tv as just incredible and it's uh not a lot of national golf gets played there but it's got the super great reputation yeah you know it's a it's a donald ross design golf course and um, they really, Ben Crenshaw and Bill Core restored the golf course, uh, about seven or eight years ago. And it, it's just a, it's a fantastic layout. It's, uh, you know, top, top five in the, in the world really. And, um, sits right, uh, right on the ocean and, and has, uh, a fair amount of elevation change. And it's kind of, it's kind of built in a bowl, but the, um, the, west side of the golf course sits much higher than than the the east side of the golf course which is right against the ocean and really uh i guess a part of the golf course would be at sea level or a little below it uh you know it's kind of in a bowl and um the it you know for for these players it it uh it's not so much a test from from tee to green but once they get around the greens it's it's yeah a very very challenging test especially on sunday when when the golf course got as 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 firm as it did and the greens were just incredibly fast that it really tested uh tested the players that both approach play and short games but the greens are absolutely fantastic they're you know a lot of uh slope and undulation and i've played the golf course several times and playing it i think you're so caught up in in the round that you don't get the perspective of how um how you know neat and rolling the, that the greens are and when you can can stand back and and watch them and watch pl- the players play them they're, they're they're just fantastic they've got so much runoff and um you know they're at great angles and um it, it was really fun to fun to watch and fun to be there I always get scared of the Donald Ross designs. They say it on the they said it on the air several times that the greens are kind of like an upside down soup bowl. You know, if you're not uh, in the right spot, you're rolling you're rolling off somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that that was is very true. And um, as firm and fast as the greens were, it was definitely more uh, even more so. And um, you know, Ben Hogan used to spend a fair amount of time at Seminole prior to the Masters every year, and there were there were there are several greens uh, or several holes on the golf course, specifically number six, that 
that he always said, if you, if you ever saw me on that green, I, I miss hit it. Cause you know, he would strategically place his, his approach shot. So he'd have a, you know, depending on where the pin is or a relatively easy chip shot in a putt. So, um, you really, the, the greens that are different, you know, definitely different segments of them. And, um, you really have to be careful where you, where your approach shots land and, uh, where you're aiming. So play for the par without necessarily playing for the regulation on the green there for, in his case. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the, one of the things that, uh, you know, if you watch it on TV that you saw that, uh, there were a lot of holes that were one with pars or, you know, a few holes even with bogeys simply because of, uh, you know, how difficult it is around the greens. When I, when I tuned in, I knew you guys were headed out and, uh, and, um, just, I, I texted you and said I turned the television on and there was Hagestad and Flanagan, two people we've had on the show over the last couple right. of years, and they were playing against each other. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was very cool. I followed that match, a uh, good portion of, of that match, uh, uh, probably 12 or 13 of the 18th holes and holes, and both players played very well. Uh, you know, Hagestad won the, you know, won the final point for the U.S. Yeah. Uh, to, to clinch the cup and and Angus had a great tournament. I, I, I think he, he, you know, he, he was uh, three and one in his matches, but you know, his, the match that he lost came down to 18 and uh, just played fantastic. He seemed pretty confident when we interviewed him that he was uh, you know, trying to get into that top five in the amateur status, which g- gives him a, a better chance to get on the Corn Ferry Tour and some of those. And uh, he seemed quite confident when, you know, said he, I think he said he was number nine and um, his goal was to get into the top five. So he'd have a little easier path to the pros. And it seems like he's on that path. Yeah, they have, they have a new college ranking system that, uh, and it's, I think it's an effort to, to keep guys in school a little longer um, rather than, than leaving school early. But the, 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 Top five players. Uh, I think I think you have to be a junior or a senior um, at the end of the college golf season. Get status on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, which is a big deal because you don't you you know you skip the first two, possibly three t- stages of tour school, and uh, get status on the Corn Ferry Tour for the next year. Which yeah, that's a big deal for these kids. Yeah, I love that they some of them who stay in school. I mean, some of the greatest players of all time stayed in. Uh, well, Tiger and Phil, in the, in the last generation, certainly stayed in school long enough to create those great relationships, those great memories. The uh, we've talked many times about having fun on the golf course, and when you're with your college teammates and you're all 18, 19, 20 years old, there's bound to be some fun out there, and uh, I think it's an important part of your development in the game. Yeah, it, it's a big part. And, um, you know, we, if, if you if you study the kids that come out early, um, you know, the rate of success isn't real high. I mean, there are definitely exceptions to that. The, the Jordan Spieth, the world, you know, Jordan, I think, went to two years at, at, uh, at Texas. And, um, you know, Tiger always says is one of his biggest regrets was that he that he didn't finish finish his schooling at Stanford. He he came out after three years. He he's done all right for himself, but uh, the vast majority of the players that that come out early, um, 
you know, definitely don't have immediate success. And it was a, it was kind of a family affair for you to head out to the uh, Walker Cup, Chris. Saw some pictures, and uh, your lovely bride went along, and your boys, right? Yeah, it was it was a great trip. You know, my my oldest son Michael is is an assistant at Seminole Golf Club, so um, didn't get to spend a lot of time with him, but spent a little bit of time with him every day. He was running busy running the merchandise operation there, which. Uh, far exceeded the USGA's expectations as far as the amount of merchandise they'd sell. Good. But my son, my son Joe, who is uh, uh, teaches is an is a teaching professional at Siena Golf Club in Georgia, uh, drove down for Sunday and surprised his mother for for Mother's Day, and uh, <laughs> it was it was just a, it was a great trip being being able to be with. Uh, two of my three kids and, and Amy at, uh, at a very special golf event. The rest of the family's starting to catch up to you a little bit in the uh, snappy dresser category, Chris. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, uh, I think they probably exceeded me, but, uh, yeah, we, we, we don't lack for, uh, for golf clothing. That's for sure. No, no, nor should you. <laughs> we'll be back with, uh, our second segment with John Harris, terrific segment coming up. And you're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, also on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Thanks in part to our sponsor, Mills Ford. Check them out now. The Ford Blue Advantage Certified Pre-Owned Program is going on at Mills Ford in Baxter. We're also on uh, Podcast One. Find us there under Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Now back to our interview with uh, John Harris. We had part one last week, and this week Chris continues his conversation with the four-time Walker Cupper and 1993 U.S. Amateur Champion, John Harris. John, share, share with us some of your, uh, you know, you were on two winning, winning Walker Cup teams. Uh, share with us some of your, you know, your, your fondest memories of the Walker Cup, whether it be during the matches itself or something that took place uh, you know, in and around the matches. Well, I'll tell you a couple of things that uh, were good, and I remember the uh, the very first uh, shot that I hit at uh, Interlock, and I was playing one of the young uh, Welsh players, actually, and we're on the first tee, and he's nervous, and I'm nervous, and he popped it up uh, off the tee, and he hit it to the right, and it went to the lake on number nine. I've never seen anybody hit a ball into the lake on number nine, but it was how nervous he was, and... and uh, I proceeded to get up and hit a hook uh, into the left trees, and it was dark and, and uh, dense in there, and he ended up winning the hole with a six. I made a seven, and he before I had even hit a shot, uh, the best he could do was six or seven. And um, you know what? It showed how nervous I was and how nervous he was, but uh, I kind of regained my composure and, and got around uh, okay there. But uh, uh, one of my favorite memories in that match or in that uh, Walker Cup was um, – playing uh, with Timmy Heron and we got to the last hole and we were playing two Scottish kids and uh, uh, the match was even and, and uh, Timmy was on the tee and and um, I said to him, just lay it up off the tee. Just uh, hit a three iron or a four iron and hit it to 150 and I'll knock it on the green. They had already hit and hit a bad one and probably wasn't going to be able to make a par. And he hit a perfect shot right in the middle of the fairway and I hit the most awful shot that you could imagine. 
uh, way to the left, and it was going left and hit a tree, and, and they chipped out, and the best they were going able to do was a bogey. And, and Timmy walked up and hit the most gorgeous chip onto the green about six feet away, and their guy missed, and I had this putt. Uh, from six feet, and I thought, if you can make this, everybody will forget about that iron shot. Uh, but if you miss, it'll go down as one of the worst shots in the history of the Washington. <laughs> and uh, luckily, I somehow got it in the hole, and we won the match one up. And and uh, that was a uh, kind of an opportunity for me to uh, overcome a, a bad uh, shot that I hit at a bad time. But, uh, you know, I remember the very next week um, – going to champions and i thought i've done a, a lot of my career now playing on this walker cup team was about as much fun as i could have and little did i know that seven days later it was going to get even better but uh, wow. um, interestingly um, one of the most humbling experiences i've had in golf was standing at the closing ceremonies in wales as i was telling you earlier when we got beat it, it was raining and it was cold and and uh, the, all the ole, ole, ole's were going on, and there was nothing we could do but stand there. And uh, I, I um, remember thinking that the uh, GBNI team had disrespected the game, and they had very much disrespected our team mm-hmm. by carrying on in such an unprofessional manner. And um, so uh, two years later, we were in Wales, or we were in uh, New York, and... Um, um, we were having, after the opening ceremony, we had a team dinner, and Don and Gray was our captain, and I said, Don, um, would you roll the tape, please? And um, with that, he rolled the closing ceremony from two years earlier. And we're all standing there. We played 36 holes. We had a beautiful team with Tiger Woods and Nota Begay and Buddy Marucci, and, and we had gotten beat. And... Um, this went on for seven or eight minutes, and he stopped it, and I said, guys, we're playing for 24 points. If they get one, I'm going to be disappointed. And if we could have gone to the tee right then, it was unbelievable. I think we ended up winning either 19-5 to 5 or 20-4 to 4 or whatever, but... It was a payback for the way they acted, and um, you know what? It was a very gratifying win, but uh, I still couldn't get out of my uh, craw the the, uh, the way they treated us when they won over there. And it, it would be hard here if the Americans lose. I can tell you that uh, um, the, the matches are supposed to be for goodwill, and they are for the goodwill of the amateur game, but for the 36 or, or 72 hours that the matches are on with uh, the opening ceremony and that there is some goodwill, but it's only really goodwill when you win. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, so, um, you know, we had a nice team in 2001. It was uh, not a team that played great that week. Um, and, at the closing dinner, I sat next to the captain of the uh, GBNI team, and it is just the two teams and the captains, and and you know it's behind closed doors. And I I asked him, I said, did you have much input in the in the picking of your team? And he had, uh, I think he had Graham McDowell and Luke Donald, as I mentioned, and Paul Casey, and they were they had a nice team. And he said, well, our first five players were very obvious, and I went to the selection committee. And he said, I don't care 
where they're from. I don't care how old they are. What I want in these last five players are the five best putters. Mm. And as, you, as you're well aware, match play is all about putting. Yeah. You must you must putt to win in match play. And I thought it was a pretty brilliant comment on his part that he didn't care how they hit it. He didn't care how fa- long they hit it. He didn't care where they were from. He was going to have some guys matched. And, you know, it's not easy, um, you know, if if you're from Wales or Scotland or Ireland or England and, you know, you've played against all these other players. It's like the California and the Florida kids. You know, they don't get along that great. It's not that they dislike each other, but uh, two Californians uh, against two Floridians would be uh, – more harmony than than splitting them up and and but he did care about what country they were from or whatever he won five best putters boy he got five good putters on that team and the greens at ocean forest as you know are not that severely sloped and they no. made a bunch of putts so yeah. um you know it'll be different this is a this will be hard putting at seminole and uh, you'll be doing some lagging if you're in the wrong spot particularly if it's windy and, um, you know, you may see some putts from 10 feet that go 10 feet by the hole um, if you are a little too uh, aggressive or undisciplined. So um, I think it's one of the great match play, play courses in the country, and um, I can't wait to watch them play this weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well, John, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there. I'll, uh It'll bring back a lot of good. Yeah, it'll bring back a lot of good memories for me, and there will be a lot of former players there and former captains. And uh, you know what? I think there there are a number of players and officials that are coming over. So it's a great reunion for amateur golf, and it's a great opportunity uh, for the guys that have played in it to uh, get together and kind of reminisce about uh, the good old days. And and, uh, so it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, it's a great celebration of the game. So, well, John, I, I really appreciate coming on the show and uh, sharing your your passion for the game and all your knowledge, always. So, it's uh, uh, it should be a great weekend. And thanks for sharing your everything with us. Well, it's my pleasure and continue, continued success to you and your program. And uh, I can't wait to get back to Minnesota and play this summer. Sounds great, John. Thanks right. very much. See you. Yep. Bye bye. That was John Harris, 1993 U.S. Amateur Champion, Minnesotan, and uh, four-time Walker Cupper. Thank you, Chris. Very nice interview. Next up, we have Brian Wallace, Brainerd Warrior Boys golf coach, joining us. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. And... uh, Podcast one as well, Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Have uh, Head Warrior Boys golf coach Brian Wallace is with us today. And, uh, Brian, exciting time of year. We actually got a turn in the weather. Your guys can play in uh, temperatures above 50. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were actually wondering about that. You know, uh, we've had a nice turn of weather this this week. But, boy, um, playing without a parka on, that's a whole different feel. Yeah, <laughs> a little looser yeah. in the shoulders. It's not bad. Right, right, yeah, but uh, very much welcomed. I mean, it's been a grind, and uh, kids never complain. Uh, we've had a, a good season up to this point, and uh, we're looking forward to even nicer weather coming up and um, kind of the culmination of our season. Like you say, Brian, some pretty nice results. You've got some uh, depth and uh, 
and some real potential with the uh, with the playoffs coming up pretty quick. Yeah, so on uh, Monday and Tuesday we have our, our first ever conference championship meet. So in the past we've always taken all of our scores from our conference season. This year we have nine teams with Bemidji joining. And then uh, at the end of the season we kind of do all the stats and figure out what team was most consistent and award the uh, the, the um, conference championship to that team. But this year we're doing a little bit differently. We have a culminating event on uh, Monday and Tuesday. It's a two-round meet, essentially. Uh, one round will be at the Territory Golf Course in St. Cloud, and then Tuesday will be round two at the Legacy, and that will, de- will determine the conference team champion. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's kind of a nice change, and it's it's a lot like other sports where they have, you know, one final event to determine the conference champion, and and hopefully your skill level is at its uh, at its peak at that point, and that's that's kind of why we've made this change. So we're looking forward to Monday and Tuesday for sure. Nice to get day two at the Legacy. Your guys are familiar, obviously. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about uh, uh, the classic yet of. I meet there uh, this week, and uh, you've you've kind of joked about it. We've joked about it in the past, Brian, that uh, you get a lot of requests when you have uh, meets at the Legacy and the Classic. <laughs> Can Absolutely. we come play with no. you guys? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're so thankful for uh, the access that we have at at Craig's Legacy courses. It's been just amazing, and uh, certainly appreciate all of that. We. Um, we're going to have an event there. Uh, turned out that we just couldn't figure out a date that worked for people. So uh, what we did uh, this year was uh, have an event on Wednesday at the Classic. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it doesn't take long to fill a tournament and have to turn away and, and uh, create a, a waiting list when you have it at these facilities. The, the Classic was absolutely stunning on Wednesday and uh, had a lot of fun there, and the teams had a great experience. How did that one go for you guys? For your guys, Brian? Well, uh, it, it was it was it was okay. Um, we hesitate to, you know, we don't want to be complacent with with our results yet. We actually came in second, uh, tied with Alexandria, uh, but another section full with uh, Moorhead being there. Uh, they they uh, they took first place and and beat us by you know. Um, uh, half a dozen, ten strokes or so, and but they had <clears throat> they had one individual who was a medalist and shot 69, three under par. To give you an idea, the next best score was 76. So uh, that was quite a, a difference between first and second place. But the good news was that was our Cole Proctor was one of those second place finishers. Nice, yeah, boy, 69 at the classic. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, I don't care who you are. That is absolutely an amazing uh, score. And he, he wound up having uh, four birdies on the back. And so they beat us. Well, when you have one kid that shoots 69, you, you know, you have other scores a little bit higher, but as a team, your, your overall score is pretty good. They shot 307 and we shot uh, 320. So Let's uh, just for our listeners that don't know uh, the high school lineup as far as the number of kids you have playing, Brian, and then the number of scores that you count on a given tournament. Yeah, so it's pretty consistent. We have six golfers at all of our meets, and we always count four, the lowest four scores, uh, to create a team score. And then usually with events, they'll have individual awards as well. And so 
it's pretty straightforward. That's the way it is at the section meet, although it's a two-day meet, but it's still the best four out of six. And then uh, if you happen to advance to the state tournament, it's the same format. I know your lineup has been uh, fluctuated a little bit, and that's a good thing, I think, with golf and competition. And I know last time we talked was probably closer to the beginning of the year. And some guys that you thought would be uh, top five weren't uh, even playing the first week. So let's talk about the the guys that are playing well. Yeah, cool. So Eric Stockson is our number one player at this point. He's averaging 78. Uh, He's only had a couple rounds in the 80s. Uh, Everything else has been mid-70s. So uh, he's playing very solid. He's one of our captains, uh, senior captain. He's as you know, he's been around since seventh grade yeah. and has <clears throat> had all kinds of success from being the conference uh, season medalist to uh, being a state participant. And, um, you know, without a season last year, <clears throat> it's hard to say where he would have been last year, but he's having a great season this year and um, he's doing a great job being a leader as well. So a little different for him. It wasn't long ago he was the little kid on the team and looked up to all the senior guys, and, <laughs> and now he's there. So, um, But he's he's uh, he's doing very well. He, he was top 10 yesterday as well, shooting a 78. So he was right behind Cole. Cole is our other senior captain, uh, Cole Proctor, and uh, has sort of had some up-and-down uh, numbers in his uh, season. He's averaging just a, a, a hair under 80 at 79 he's got to build some more confidence i think to be able to put those low numbers up uh now from from now till the end of the season but yesterday was his best round uh compared to the field uh being coming in second with that 76 he did have he did have a 75 earlier in the season but it was a little bit different course and uh, different conditions but so those two guys have done a great job leading the team and setting a great example uh, for the rest of the team. We've got Dawson Ringler, who is a 10th grader, who's been our pretty consistent third or fourth golfer, and then Turner Person as well. Uh, they're both <clears throat> just slightly over 80. So those four kids have done a, a very consistent job, and uh, you know we count on them pretty much every meet. Now, with our fourth and fifth, or excuse me, our fifth and sixth position, we've had sort of a revolving door, and we're trying to find somebody who can contribute um, to to a lower score. We definitely have kids that have the ability. They just have to get over that mental block because when they go out and play a relaxing round with their buddies, they can shoot in the mid-70s as well. Uh, they get into competition, and things start to go a little bit haywire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nice to get that fifth and sixth guy because it really takes pr- some pressure off the top four to know that, you know, you get a double bogey, something goes a little south, you think maybe one mm-hmm. of your teammates can pick you up. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true, and that's kind of where uh, Alexandria has been very strong this year. They're not having to count the same four guys every meet. They're, they're getting support from the five and six position, and so they're a little deeper than we are. I mean, we've got that talent there. We just have to get over the mental blocks and, and we'll be fine. And we have to stay positive and, and, um, and not have doubt. I mean, when doubt sneaks into your golf game, boy, that's, that's where things just go south on you. And, and, and so these next few weeks uh, leading up to our section meet, we just have to figure out a way to block that 
self-doubt out, and I think we're going to be right there with the best of them. Timeline for this week, Brian, and then uh, uh, when sections is? So we really only have um, our, our conference championship Monday and Tuesday, and that's it until our section meet. We are coming up on the end of school uh, on Friday the 21st. Yeah. We don't have any meets that's scheduled for, at this point anyway, scheduled for the week of the 24th. And then it's Memorial Weekend, um, and we turn around on that Tuesday and Wednesday of Memorial Week, uh, June 1st and 2nd, and those are the days that we have our section meet. So we have a two-week break in between our last competition. That does allow us to go down to the section course in Rich Springs, um, or at Rich Springs, and uh, get at least one practice round in. So we will take some of that time and and go down there, sure. Uh, and maybe we'll match up with another team, do a little dual meet or something, if we can figure one out. So we just got to finish uh, one or two shots ahead of Alex and Moorhead, right? That's all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> what a, I'm, all a, we need is, I'm a I'm a wizard, Brian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you score more points than the other team, you win the game, right? I mean, that's the way it is. And uh, with golf, it's just uh, you got to keep them. You got to keep those uh, high numbers in check and stay away from the doubles and triples and it isn't it isn't about making more birdies really seriously it's about making less big numbers yeah and anybody that's ever played the game certainly knows what i'm talking about it's you just have to not have the big holes um if if you can because you're going to make a few birdies here and there these kids are skilled enough to do that and if they're offsetting some of the bogeys, then that works. But they don't offset doubles and triples. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have to stay away from that. Brian, thanks for taking the time. It's getting to be a nice tradition of uh, very good golf here for Brainerd. And uh, I always appreciate coaches and appreciate the job you're doing. Well, uh, thank you, Mackie, for having me on. It's, it's fun to talk about these kids. They're, they're a great team and, and a lot of fun to work with. We're definitely capable, so we're, we're looking forward to that section meet and taking it to that next level for the state tournament. That's Brian Wallace, head uh, Brainerd Warrior, Warrior Boys golf coach and uh, having another nice season and looking forward to sections. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Lakes Woods and Irons Facebook page as well. We invite you to like that Facebook page. We're going to have some uh, golf to give away, so you need to be on the list. Like the page. There'll be a little drop-down for you, a chance to win, and we'll have some uh, golf giveaways coming up from area golf courses, so that should be a lot of fun. Chris, uh, nice to have uh, somebody who, as you say, moves the needle on the PGA Tour do that this last weekend with uh, one of uh, certainly one of the most popular men in golf, Rory McIlroy, gets back in the winner's circle. Yeah, very good to see him. You know, he, Rory has played well all year, but in the last, you know, six weeks to two months has has really kind of, uh, he, he, he's struggled. It's not that he's missing cuts, but he, he isn't in the, you know, isn't in the, that top five like he typically is. But uh, he had a great, great tournament, uh, had a great week on the greens. I mean, it, that if any if anything hurts Rory's game generally, it's it's that he just doesn't putt as well as the rest of his play. Uh, but you know, he gained 1.7 strokes per round on the on the greens, and uh, that was a difference maker for him because 
for the season, he's about 90th in putting. Yeah, that's rare for him to be that that far back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, terrific to see him there. I love the the back and forth with the caddy uh, when he hit it into the into the into the ditch basically on 18, 72nd hole, a two shot lead, and uh, he's got kind of an impossible stance. There's a creek down below his ball. His caddy just talked him out. He's thinking, well, I'm going to hit it across onto the fairway here. And the caddy's going, you really think you can get that up? Because he's facing <laughs> straight downhill. And he says, essentially, take the penalty shot and hit it on the green. Yeah. Which is what happened. It was a great great to hear the back and forth. Yeah, You know, I didn't get to see that live, but I, I did hear about it. You know, it's, it's that caddy-player relationship. We've talked about that before, but... Um, you know, Rory's been criticized for using the caddy that he does, but his caddy's come a long way. And I, I think they, the one that they're, they're, they have a very good comfort level together, but, uh, he, he really in the heat of the battle there, he had, a, he had some great insights and, uh, you know, helped Rory win the golf tournament. That's for sure. Yeah. For one thing, you're kind of the caddy in that case is realizing, listen, you're one of the greatest players ever lived. You can take a penalty shot here and still make bogey, yeah. which is yeah, kind, I mean, of, had, kind of what he talked him into. He, he had the two-shot lead. All he needed was bogey to win. Right. And, um, you know, if you if you play it safe, you, you take double out of the equation, Yeah, which is what you don't want. So Yeah. Another, uh, other well, a few big names in the news uh, last few days in golf. Uh, bad news, uh, Dustin Johnson says he's got an ailing knee, so he's, withdrawn from the Byron Nelson on Monday this week and uh, in hopes of being uh, ready to go for the PGA Championship, which is next. So arthroscopic surgery on his knee at the end of the 2019 season, but then last year he was about as good as he's ever been. Uh, but now the knee evidently bothering him again. So hopefully uh, DJ is going to be all right. Yeah, it's uh, uh, always troublesome when you when you hear a player with it with an injury like that and uh hopefully it's it's just uh needs a little rest and and it's not a uh something that's going to impact the rest of his season because uh he's playing awfully well then uh, also returning jordan spieth he had been had to leave the tour due to a positive covid19 test and that was right after his win too so that uh, may, hopefully that doesn't uh, take away his momentum if you think of uh uh, if DJ and Spieth and McElroy can be all at the uh, at the top of the list, there that could be some uh, rivalries over the next few years to come. It would be great for golf. And throw DeChambeau in the mix, <laughs> right? Well, you know those are those are the guys that uh, that everybody tunes in to watch. So uh, when when those when those get when those three players or five players are the you know, at the top of the leaderboard, there's definitely more interest in golf, and uh, it's easy to root for all those guys. Yeah. Phil had one of those rounds we've all had. Um, he shoots a 64 at the his first round of the tournament, and kind of sheepish, you know, like, I'm not kidding myself. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, like, uh, I know I was out of my mind for the 64, and uh, but he knew his game wasn't where he was. Those guys are so dialed in, you know. If I shoot the best round I've ever shot, I think, well, I'll just go do that again next time, you know. But the, these guys know uh, I was pretty fortunate out there. So uh, he knew that, and he didn't play very well, actually, the rest of the weekend. So 64, then 75, I think, the next day. Yes. 
that you know it, that's that's a good golf course for, for Phil because you can it's very wide you can drive it you know pretty you you don't have to drive it on that golf course to play well you can get a get away with it and he had a you know he had a good driving around and he, and he hit his approach play was great um it's it's interesting i mean phil is you know he's he's 50 but he's he's in as good a shape as he's ever been uh but he seems to be struggling to sustain those those good rounds yeah he that's kind of what he says he can't his concentration level wanes on him a lot which happens i think a lot at that age but i think phil will probably be he'll be a guy who wins on the pga tour in his 50s i don't know if it'll be this year or next year but he is a guy who has gone up and down. Gets he gets very dialed in. Plays unbelievable golf for six weeks and then loses it, and then finds it, and then loses it, and then finds it. So <laughs> I think yeah, he'll find how, it find it a couple more times probably. For sure, that's that's how his whole career has been, and that, that's just the style that that he plays. So um, we'll we'll see another win or two out of Phil. The uh, we've talked a little bit about them. The Brainerd Warrior Girls is a golf team. Katie's a member. Your daughter and uh, the girls have had quite a good season. They've got uh, some nice balance uh, 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 each week. Chris, yes, they are. Excuse me, they're having a good year. Um, you know, they're they're pretty consistently shooting uh, right around three twenty, which kind of in, in my mind is the number to to be successful to be to be a number one or two team in girls golf in minnesota uh if you can get average right around 320 you're, you're gonna have a lot of success and that's right where they're at uh alexandria has a very good team as well but uh it's nice to see the girls it be you know between katie and uh eighth grader sophie karzania and and senior anna krieger and and you know, sophomore izzy olson and uh, Anna Anglin, who's a junior as well, they they are having a very good year and hopefully a strong finish here in the coming weeks. Yeah, and youthful. We'll see them again. <laughs> yes, for sure. I mean, they've only got one senior on the team, and um, they, we, we're going to see some good teams from some good things from the, that that team coming up in the next few years. We want to thank our guests, including John Harris. Terrific interview with uh, John. Chris wanted to uh, just let you know how great I thought it was, and uh, John. One of the really great players. He has so many great anecdotes, and I think uh, just enough, uh, not contrarian, but some really kind of cool ideas about uh, kids playing together and, uh, you know, t- sometimes things being too structured and get out there and gamble and play some games with your buddies on the golf course and make it the fun game that it is. So I thought that was quite interesting and fun to hear. Yeah, yeah, thank you. John. John's one of the, you know, he's one of the best amateurs of all time, and he, he, he's just a one of the great gentlemen in the game. And I always enjoy listening to his thoughts and opinions on the game because he's got, he's always got a lot of great ideas and he's and he's spot on on most of them. So yeah. 90, 1993 U S amateur champ. That's not bad. <laughs> That's pretty darn good. Four time Walker cover. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Chris, thank you, my friend. Thank you, Matt. You've been listening to lakes, woods and irons on 1380 KLIZ.